bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. It's November 14th, and I'm Paul Dregu. Illegal immigrants are beginning to self-deport as cities run out of room, money, and summer weather. Also, it turns out the only inspiration the leaders of San Francisco need to clean up the city is a visit from one of their own. And did the Catholic Pope just fire a bishop for being conservative? We have those stories coming up, plus a discussion with the John Birch Society's Peter Rykowski about Texas legislation that could curb the flood of illegal immigrants. But first, yesterday, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene held a hearing on COVID injection injuries. The event featured Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Kimberly Biss, and lawyer Thomas Renz. Other lawmakers joining the MTG included Ron Johnson, Matt Gates, and Thomas Massey. The point of the hearing was to establish the connection between the jab and injuries. Dr. Malone testified that the jab was highly toxic. Now the data um, clearly demonstrate that in fact the spike protein, the payload that is produced in your body by these inoculations is in fact toxic to you. It is biologically active. It was not made inert. And technically, this is the engineered spike protein, which uh, originated arguably at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then had some further modifications which did not uh, reduce its toxicity. The toxicity of the shot brought on some degree of heart damage to half of the people who were injected. That's 135 million Americans. Moreover, Malone testified that contamination from the shot with DNA fragments has strong links to cancer. The mRNA pioneer criticized the government for rushing the shots to market in order to address a fake emergency. Listen. There is a reason why these products typically require up to a decade to be proven to be safe and effective. And uh, it was not prudent and not in the interests of protecting the citizens of the United States or the world to bypass those time-tested processes that uh, have basically been agreed upon through various forms of informal international treaties uh, in order to, uh, my words are, jam a product through a process in order to get it out to respond to a false threat. Remember the underlying thesis here is that we had 3.4% case fatality rate. This was told to us again and again and again, and it was a lie. Tom Renz blamed the lack of vaccine safety and efficacy on a lack of transparency. He said the government knew what was happening. He pointed to the DOD-run project Salus, which showed that the shots were ineffective and that most of new COVID cases and hospitalizations happen among the vaccinated. Nevertheless, they lied to the public about a pandemic of the unvaccinated. When we broke that, I have video of Fauci out there telling everybody that this is a crisis of unvaxxed. The hospitals are full of unvaxxed. We're all dying that are unvaxxed. Meanwhile, the Project Salus document talks about 70% of new cases being an unvaxxed and 61% of hospitalizations being an un unvaxxed or new, fully vaxxed. So you have 61% of cases, hospitalizations, in fully vaxxed in the Medicare population, according to the DOD's own document. Meanwhile, you have Fauci out there lying through his teeth and running around telling the public, go get your jab. Mm -hmm. This was absurd. 
Perhaps the worst was encouraging pregnant women to get the shot. Dr. Biss said the miscarriage rate increased by 100% in 2021 and even more in 2022. So why isn't Congress investigating all of this? Here's Florida Congressman Matt Gates on his theory. A reasonable person watching this hearing might wonder why this is a field hearing being chaired by Congresswoman Green rather than a hearing held by the House or the Senate with one of our standing committees. And I believe that reason is because far too many members of those committees obtain those committee seats because they are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. And if you go look at the people who lead these positions in the House and Senate and you line up the money they get from big pharma lobbyists and big pharma PACs, it is pretty easy to see why we are here. So I I believe that we are just at the beginning of following up on these 60 oversight requests sent by Senator Johnson. And that is what our committees ought to be doing. They should be going line by line through the requests that Senator Johnson and others have laid out. And we should be answering those questions. And it's deeply, though I'm very grateful to Congresswoman Green for leading this, it is indicative of how high the hill is for us to climb to get the truth out. Both Malone and Wren said another reason the truth is hard to get out is because of the unaccountable administrative state that doesn't care about Congress or the people. The single greatest threat to our democracy is the administrative state. Throughout the 20th century, I've studied the history of this legally, the the evolution of the law related to the administrative state. There is no separation of powers in the administration, the administrative state. They are judge, jury, executioner, lawmaker, and everything else. They don't care about your oversight, but we keep funding them. You agree with uh, Thomas Wren's last words? Very much so. And I mean, the thought that, that, that went through my head as I was listening to this is we like to bandy about this term big pharma, but what does it actually mean? Why do we have this entity referred to as big pharma? Where did it come from in the first place? How did a certain small number of international pharmaceutical you know, corporations achieve such total an absolute ascendancy, monopolistic or technically polyopolistic control over what should be a, you know, a sector over policy, of the free market it seems. and over policymaking. Well, the, the answer, I think, as, as with so many other topics that we discuss in this forum, the answer goes back to the fact that we have seriously deviated from the vision of the founders and other like-minded people who framed a very limited mm-hmm. federal government scheme under the Constitution, whereby the government only is able to exer- the federal government can only exercise competency in those areas that are specifically enumerated in yes. the Constitution, mostly in Article One, in a few scattered places elsewhere. Now, so th- so that's called the principle of enumerated powers, and obviously that's been completely cast aside. Because the notion today is, well, except for a couple of little things, like maybe freedom of speech, government should be more or less omnipotent and omnicompetent. And it certainly has to have a hand in making sure that, that, that the drugs and the medicines and the medical procedures and the entire health care sector is safe for you and me. That there are no snake oil salesmen out mm-hmm. there peddling their wares to unsuspecting consumers. Things of this nature. And, you know, as usual, the opposite turned out to be. Well, the super, well, of course, you know, superficially, that sounds like a good idea because, after all, shouldn't government protect us from, you know, the shysters 
and the scam artists and, and other people. And of course, obviously, in the domain of medicine, that can be a matter of life and death. Right. Every now and then we have a celebrated example like the famous thalidomide babies incident of the 1950s and early 60s, where a drug makes it to the market and does inflict a lot of harm on people. And then that becomes a pretext for more government oversight. But here's the reality. The reality is that we have perversely incentivized this public-private partnership between big pharma and for that, you know, and by extension, all the rest of the big healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, corporations in that sector, you know, the, all the rest of this stuff. The, it, Obamacare, the American version of socialized medicine, up. socialized medicine is the like is is the logical outgrowth of that. And so, what we've created is this vast, absolutely impersonal system that's being described here. A that operates essentially unaccountable to the will of the, the American people. Never mind to any you know constitutional other legal restraints, and B uh, is motivated by the, the this fatal hubris that government, in partnership with science, can effectively be a god that will protect us from everything. The problem with that, of course, is that that very same science dictates, as was mentioned by Dr. Malone, that when you have a novel pathogen appear. It takes a lot of time, a lot of trial yeah. and error, years and years to come up with an actually effective vaccine. Yeah. We, the, that was unacceptable politically when, when COVID broke out. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to hang over Trump for a while. That, that may be that may trip him up for good. So what's the answer? Get rid of the Department of Health and uh, Health and Human Services. For starters. Uh, for start absolutely. All right. Thanks, Steve. After this, illegal immigrants are starting to self-deport. And it turns out that San Francisco can be cleaned up. It just needs to impress a mass-murdering communist dictator who's coming to town. I, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa. <laughs> Who knows what would come out of that? Just imagine if we have a constitutional convention, the number of people who will be unhappy and the number of people who say the results are not valid, and then they'll just ignore the entire constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It isn't the Constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the Constitution that usurp power and abuse the constitutional power that they ostensibly have. If you can't enforce an existing piece of paper, how are you going to enforce a piece of paper that has a little more writing to it? In other words, it's been amended. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. What can you do to elect good representatives and senators in your state legislature who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand? Welcome back. Some illegal immigrants are starting to believe the American hype doesn't match the reality and they're beginning to self-deport. On Sunday, the Chicago Tribune published a story about immigrants who are going back to Venezuela. The featured family went from sleeping on the floor of the police station when it arrived there to a crowded shelter, then to a house on the far south side, and then back to the floor of the police station. On November 3rd, the family set out for Texas. From there, it went back to Venezuela. The arrival of winter was the last straw. One of the migrants interviewed by the newspaper said that the American dream doesn't exist anymore and that nothing turned out like they were led to believe it would. Nearly 21,000 migrants have arrived in Chicago since August of 2022. The Windy City has Texas Governor Greg Abbott to thank for that. He's been busing thousands of illegals to cities led by virtue signaling inept leaders who designated their homes a sanctuary city. 
Last month, the leaders of another sanctuary city began offering migrants a one-way ticket out of the Big Apple. Political reported that Mayor Eric Adams was flying migrants to wherever they wanted. He figured it was cheaper than sheltering them for months on end. And he warned them that those staying in New York may be in for a winter of sleeping outside since the shelters were full. Migrants opted to fly to destinations as far away as Colombia and Morocco, political reported. New York has received many more migrants than Chicago, 130,000 since last year. A few weeks back, the governor said there was no more room for them. The U.S. under Biden has seen a record-setting surge of illegals. According to Customs and Border Protection, 8 million illegals have been encountered since fiscal year 2021. The surge began as soon as the Biden administration assumed power and has increased with each passing year. Steve, this illustrates another element of cruelty uh, that is part of this, this massive, uh, it seems like welcoming of migrants from Central and South America. They're, they're sold their bill of goods, the subsidies run out, winter comes in, and they realize that they've risked their lives and much more for nothing. Well, Paul, a little geography lesson here. I think some of these these immigrants would have done well to avail themselves of before they came. It gets cold here, not like no, there. No, 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 no. Here's, <laughs> here's a question for you. See if you can answer this. So what's the difference between Chicago and Venezuela? Besides the weather? No, no. Can, can, you, can you succinctly give, define the difference for those two? No, tell okay, me. Okay, so, so, so one of them is a communist dictatorship and failed state, and the other is a South it's American country. <laughs> I was going to guess something like that. Well, that's 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 the problem. And, and you know, the, unfortunately, those poor Venezuelans experienced real Marxism yeah. when they arrived in Chicago and uh, New York City as well. So, well, it's interesting you know. because some of them had said something, you know, they they said something to that degree that uh, there it wasn't what they thought. You know, the, uh, they were receiving, I think, subsidies, the, the one they featured for an apartment that ran out. So he was back on the police state uh, back sleeping on the floor. You're right. That's what happens to these these communist like uh, collectivist states. They end up in poverty. So um, hopefully, hope maybe we're beginning to see a trend. It's unfortunate, and it's especially unfortunate for the ones who risk their lives and others have been kidnapped and raped and whatnot. Well, it it, it says something to us that a cardboard box in some slum in Caracas is preferable to Chicago or New York. Yeah. I mean, that that, that tells you all you need to know. Well, we, well I, I was in Chicago a few weeks ago, and, you know, I was on the way to somewhere else, thank goodness. But had <laughs> You weren't staying there. Well, you know, it went, specifically at O'Hare Airport, which has become, which is a, a total mess. There's no parking. I don't want to go on too much about it, but suffice it to say, it's become a big, a, a big shelter for all these illegal immigrants. And the whole place just exudes failed state yeah everywhere you go you know sullen functionaries no one wants to help no one knows anything about anything and it was it was very much a third world experience couldn't wait to get out of there and fly down to a real nice country in yeah. south america O'Hare's contrast as close was striking o'hare is as close as i get to chicago whenever i'm there mm. I, I try to get out of there as quick as possible let's look at our next story after years of neglect downtown san francisco is getting a much needed makeover the trash, discarded needles, human waste, and homeless encampments are being cleaned up. And a new police presence is clamping down on the muggings, the carjackings, the organized retail looting that have made San Francisco one of the least livable places in America. The ultra-woke leftists that have ruined San Francisco seem to have undergone a sudden change of heart. California Governor Gavin Newsom himself is leading the cleanup. We like to report that the radical left in the Golden State has been struck by reason. 
And this cleaning up is a result of newfound concern for their constituents. But that's unfortunately not what's happening. What's happening is one of their own is coming to town. Chinese communist dictator Xi Jinping will be attending a summit there with Joe Biden. Governor Newsom even admitted this. Folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true because it's true. <laughs> it's true because it's true. I like that. You know, Steve, this reminds me of, a, uh, of what they used to do behind the Iron Curtain. And I'm sure you've heard these stories, but... When Ceausescu in Romania would visit certain uh, municipalities, the officials there would clean up everything and they'd put like fake fruit and stuff out on the, on the plazas, on the piazzas and things like that. This also happens in North Korea. Isn't that, I, 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 I couldn't help but remember that when I was listening to the story, well, when I was reporting. Part of a, a long and time dishonored tradition in authoritarian regimes that we, has come to be known as the Potemkin village after Grigory Potemkin who was a, a, an advisor to Catherine the Great in Russia. And allegedly, when Catherine made a tour of Crimea, which in those days, as now, was under Russian control, um, Potemkin arranged, so that as she, as she you know, passed by in her carriage, that these literal fake villages full of fake people looking prosperous and happy were, were greeting her. And then as soon as, as soon as her entourage passed, they would be disassembled and, and rushed on down the road ahead of her so, 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 to create this illusion. I, I don't know how true that is. But I do know, again, in my, in my time in China, um, the same thing happens every year when there's a major event in Beijing with the Communist Party. They always scrub all the undesirables from Beijing. They take all of the artists and all of the counterculture people, all of the people who are you know, like the heavy metal band people, and they literally bust them down to Guangzhou, thousands of miles <laughs> to the south, and put them under supervision so that they don't, it doesn't occur yeah. to any of them to do anything unseemly. And so... When all the Communist Party dignitaries, or as the case may be, international dignitaries arrive, they get this impression of this incredibly clean, well-manicured, perfectly orderly place where there's never any dissent or disorder. Heaven heaven forbid there be a piece of garbage on the streets or, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, Because they, they want to communicate to them that this this collectivist tyranny or whatever, whichever one is, whichever element is more pronounced. Anyway, it works. That's why. So they clean up. But it, the, the, you, you, they should know. They should know. The fact that they have to do this is is that it doesn't work. So why is the American left, it seems to be enamored with chi with the Chinese communists, doesn't it? Well, Why you, would you welcome someone like that? The guy, oh, he, 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 he sponsors organ harvesting and many other crimes. He does, but, you know, as the, old, as the old canard goes, he makes the trains run on time. And again, in China, I can tell you the one thing that is really quite remarkable is the train system there, particularly these high-speed rails, or gautia, as they call them, which always run perfectly on time. Uh, they're, they're incredibly efficient, wonderful to ride in, and they're just, you know, they're the pride of China, as was the case, you know, the Nazis and, you know, the fascists in, in, in Italy back in the 1930s, same day. The, the, these guys always do public infrastructure well, you know, so socialists and collectivists generally. You know, they? Yeah, oh, sure. Remember the old metro system in Moscow? Oh, it's so beautiful, you know, the public, the public that kind of thing. So the, the, these, these are showpieces that, that, that they use. And the left here sees this in China. And they say, well, yeah, of course, you know, you have to, to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs. And yeah, we kind of don't like what's going on with the Uyghurs and all the August har harvesting and the, you know, the World War III threats over Taiwan and the South China Sea. But these are mere bagatelles. Yeah. The reality is that under Xi Jinping, China has been, is organized and prosperous. Obviously, they were falling over themselves with adulation during the COVID period, which I experienced, all the COVID lockdowns and the zero COVID policy and everything that, you know, incident to that, 
which was the envy of the entire world until it fell apart. And now it's become, of course, obvious that while the West paid a heftier price up front in the early going with the first waves of COVID than China did, in the long run, it's now China that's lagging behind the economies falling apart, the societies collapsing, and the dictatorship is, is, is strengthening. But none of this matters to the, the Marxists in San Francisco. They're just happy to, to welcome their man. Yeah, it seems like they value the control that a communist regime is able to have more than the, the disadvantages, the setbacks. Absolutely. That being the tyranny and, and everything else. It's, it's really... Uh, Freedom it's, is messy. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Next up. Did the Pope just fire a bishop for being a conservative? In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration, Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S unknown agents from around the world, using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the US be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. The Vatican announced Saturday that Pope Francis has ordered Bishop Joseph Strickland to be removed from the pastoral governance of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. The Vatican gave no reason for Strickland's firing, but here's what might be happening. Strickland is a conservative. He adheres to traditional Catholic teachings on abortion and homosexuality. He's also criticized Pope Francis in the past. After Strickland's removal, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano condemned the Pope's action. He said on X that Strickland's removal appears to be a cowardly form of authoritarianism that doesn't fit with the Pope's rants about being welcoming or inclusive. Archbishop Vigano pointed out the contrast between Bishop Strickland and another Catholic bishop in Texas, Michael Olson. He said Olson is still in office despite abuses and scandalous behavior with the Carmelite Sisters of Arlington. Meanwhile, one of the few faithful bishops, Strickland that is, is persecuted and kicked out for apparently no reason. Archbishop Vigano has warned in the past that a global coup threatens the church. He has called this coup inside the Catholic Church the Deep Church, and he's described its involvement in the Great Reset. He has also pushed back against those who refuse to believe in the existence of a conspiracy. At the beginning of 2021, he said, Years ago, those who spoke of the New World Order were called conspiracy theorists. Today, all of the world's leaders speak with impunity about the New World Order, describing it exactly in the terms that were identified by the so-called conspiracy theorists. So joining me for this segment is editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit. Thank you, Gary, for hey, Paul. coming down the stairs and, yes. and joining us. Um, I think the first question I'd, I'd like to hear an answer for is, why is this a big deal? I, there may be others out there and they're, they're listening and maybe they're not familiar with Catholic Church hierarchy. Why is this a big deal? Because I think I saw it all over the, the, in the headlines and whatnot. So what do you say to that? 
Well, it's a big deal because I think it's indicative of what's happening in the Catholic Church in terms of a purging of people who are conservative, or maybe, not to put too fine a point on it, people who are Catholic. As a matter of fact, I, I think— uh, You mean the, truly Catholic? Truly is that what Catholic. This? Uh, uh, I remember when I was growing up, Paul, the, the joke was, is the Pope Catholic? And you'd yeah. say that, and people would laugh. And yeah. today you can ask that question seriously. Uh, and now we have a Pope, uh, again, who is going against the Catholic faith— and he is removing people who are uh, in support of, who cling to and hold fast to uh, the Catholic faith. Is it, is it typical for the Pope to get involved and, and, and point to a certain bishop and say, I want him gone? Is that, is that happen normally? It, it is atypical. Uh, I, I, I don't know that it's unprecedented. Uh, the Pope is the head of the church, certainly has that power. Uh, but it really is uh, extraordinary that something like this would happen. And uh, particularly when you consider the, the contrast, because we can look at people in the church who uh, have uh, uh, been responsible for abuse, such as uh, sexual mm-hmm. uh, abuse, for example. And uh, in your story, you, you pointed to uh, one of those uh, when you quoted uh, uh, the Archbishop uh, Vingano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, somehow these people so often they stay in power or the crimes are, are covered up. Yeah. Uh, and yet you have a faithful Catholic uh, somebody who is following the, the teachings of the church, mm-hmm. and uh, he is uh, removed from his uh, his position as bishop. You, you would think if you want to avoid suspicions when you do something like that, you at least give a fake reason. I know, and, and they <laughs> That's did That's what not. the government does. They didn't even, he just, he didn't even bother, right. did he? Right, he did not give a reason, but uh, maybe that's because uh, it's hard to find a reason, Paul. Well, maybe he... uh, Unless you look at it from the point of view of somebody who is truly following uh, the the principles of Jesus Christ, the principles of, of the Gospels. Yeah. Maybe he still has some convictions and didn't want to outline lie. Right. <laughs> you know, something interesting, but uh, I, I did do a little research uh, regarding the administration of Bishop Strickland uh, in his diocese in, in T- Tyler, Texas. And uh, it's a small diocese. Uh, there are only 119,000 Catholics in the diocese. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet uh, there were 21 men who are now in priestly formation, who are in the seminary in that uh, diocese, which is a a large number for a diocese of that size. And also financially, the the diocese is in very good shape. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, according to the Catholic News Agency, uh, it raised 99% of its $2.3 million goal for the 2021 Bishop's Fund. So uh, the only thing you can really think of as to why uh, the Pope uh, would be going after him uh, would be the fact that uh, he's uh, following Catholic principles. And and there is a deep state. And, And to say that, well, there's also a deep church. There's both a deep church and a deep state. Well, and, and the thing about it is the tyrants, the communists especially, we saw within the 20th century, they infiltrated churches. They right. watered them down. And then those, obviously the communists were crueler. I mean, uh, the story I bring up is because it hits close to home is, as we know, Richard Wumbron, he was an evangelical who right. stood up and he said uh, he stood up against the Soviets who wanted to take power from the church, and they did to a certain degree. But he was one of the few who said no. Uh, Stalin is not the head of the church. The, the Soviets are not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And then within weeks, he was nabbed off the streets. And then he spent the next 14 years in prison where he was tortured uh, to to such a cruel extent that mo- a lot of people who endure the same kind of torture died. Uh, three of those years were spent in solitary confinement. But 
being an evangelical in 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 a in a communist in a, a iron curtain um, country, we saw what the government does, what tyrants do when it comes to churches. And I imagine if this new world order, these tyrants, this conspiracy that wants to level this new world order in us. They're going to do something to the same degree, but obviously on a global scale. That's a really good point, Paul. And if you look at what happened behind the Iron Curtain during the era of uh, Stalinism, the uh, the people who were tortured, uh, they were people who were in what was called the underground church mm-hmm. because they recognized that the official church, so to speak, yes. uh, was taken over by the, the communists. Yes. Uh, the communists were, were c- controlling the so-called uh, official church, and there were Christians who were tortured to reveal who their brethren were, Yes, to reveal who were in this uh, uh, underground church, and they, they refused to, uh, to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to make the point, too, that if you look at the U.S. government, because I uh, believe uh, just about everybody understands this, you could look, for, uh, for example, at the head of the U.S. government. You could look at uh, the President Obama, excuse me, the pre- uh, formerly Obama, but the President um, Biden, and uh, say, well, gee, he's acting in an un-American or he's acting in an anti-American way. Uh, and you could say that uh, even as a patriotic American, you're not condemning, mm-hmm. uh, you're not attacking your your uh, your America, your your government, uh, by saying that the person who uh, is inside the gate, so to speak, uh, is somebody who's working to subvert that government. <clears throat> and it's the same thing with with the church, uh, including the uh, uh, the Catholic Church. You can have a pope. Yeah. Uh, you can have a hierarchy, which uh, has been referred to as the deep church. Uh, that is working to undermine, that is working to destroy the Catholic Church from the yeah. from the outside. And you can be a faithful Catholic and warn against that uh, uh, that deep church, uh, and you're not going against your your faith. You you are actually upholding your faith uh, by war- by warning about the subversion within. I, I would go further <laughs> and say that as a as a Christian, whether it be Catholic or whatever, you kind of have a responsibility to uphold the faith. You mentioned the underground church. One of the fastest growing Christian churches is in China, where they're heavily persecuted. Uh, it's nothing for, for the Chinese authorities to come in. If, if, they're, uh, if they're fortunate enough to uh, attend a, or meet in a building, they'll tear down buildings, they'll, they'll jail people and whatnot. And the good news is, um, and I think we've reported this in one of the issues, uh, I think it was the enduring faith issue. The good news is, and we know this is, the church will never be defeated. The commies have tried. They've tried for 2,000 years. Right. It's not just the commies in the 20th century, and it's not just the infiltrators today. They have tried over and over, and even in other countries today where you're not allowed, Christianity is not allowed. And the thing about it is it works. It's not going anywhere. Thanks, Gary. Well, hey, folks. The New American just released our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. Now, this Polish Collector's Edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics. The authors are experts on their topics. We encourage you to get a copy. You can get one at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office, 800 800- 727-8783. And next up, Peter Rykowski joins us to discuss action on securing our borders. Imprisonment, forced labor, permanent separation from my family. 
perhaps death. I knew what could happen to people who were caught trying to defect. But the watchtowers stood yards away. The possibility of a new life in a different world, one without tyranny, was within sight. The West. I thought of the rewards no longer crushed under the boot of communism. I would work and make money, no longer restrained by the chains of collectivism. I would say what I wanted, without fear of spies and informants nearby. I would be free. The frozen rain and Romanian mud sipped from my gloves and cloths. I fantasized about the fire burning in the wood stove of my parents' home. But I pushed those thoughts from my mind, closed my eyes, and waited for the cover of the darkness. Get Defector, a true story of tyranny, liberty, and purpose by Mark Hobavkovich with Paul Dragu, a thrilling page-turner that will remind you how precious yet vulnerable freedom is. Available at shopjbs.org or Amazon. For a limited time, get 20% off your entire order using promo code DEFECTOR20 when you purchase DEFECTOR at shopjbs.org. The Texas legislature is considering passing legislation that would help stop subversive mass migration into the U.S. And joining me to talk about that is associate researcher at the John Birch Society, Peter Rykowski. Welcome back, Peter. It's great to be on, Paul. So what's going on down in Texas? Yeah, so the Texas legislature has convened a special session to consider, among a few other bills, legislation that, as you mentioned, would uh, help stop illegal migration into Texas and, by extension, the United States. Well, so you said special session. So did they um, acknowledge that there's some sort of emergency? Uh, I'd imagine because that doesn't just pop up, a special session. Yeah, so Texas, they had their their regular session from January through May, uh, but they were unable to pass any serious border-related legislation. So Governor Abbott called a special session specifically to pass these bills Mm. because they were unable to do so earlier this year. So Abbott and also the legislative leadership in Texas have recognized that this is a serious problem and that that they need to take action to stop it. Well, three years in, I'm glad they got there. (laughs) Yeah, three years. they, They should have done it many years earlier, but... It's better that they're doing it now as opposed to never. It's been it's been apparent for at least you could say two years. It was at least two years ago where we realized they were coming in uh, big by by massive caravans, and there was no uh, nothing decentivizing them from coming. They were going to keep coming. So uh, so so what's the plan here? What are they looking at? Right. So there are two bills that the Texas legislature is considering right now on migration. Uh, one of them, it's Senate Bill 4 and House Bill 4, different bills, but same same content. And it would make illegal migration a state crime. Uh, right now, whenever the state government is arresting illegal migrants, they're doing it under the crime of trespassing. Mm-hmm. But under this bill, it would make illegal migration in and of itself a state crime. So, so who are they charging? The well, migrants coming in? Right, yep, yep. Any, any migrants who come in illegally, uh, who disobey our country's laws... And the bill would also allow state authorities to deport migrants back into Mexico or wherever else they came from. So it, it really does both of those two things. It was a really strong step yeah. towards enforcing our country's immigration laws. What would the 
some of the penalties be? Do we, do you know? Do you have any ideas? Well, the first time anyone comes in illegally, it will be six months in prison and then deportation. The second time and then any time after that, two years in prison and then being deported. In again. U.S. prison, huh? Well, in Texas state prison. Oh. But right, in the United States. Texas State Prison. <laughs> well, I was going to say, why not just deport him? But that may leave a mark. You throw him in, in state prison, uh, they may pass the word. Uh, last segment, uh, as you're aware, we reported on uh, self-deportation that seems to be gaining in some of these colder states. Uh, we mentioned specifically Chicago. Um, so maybe this will be another way to pass the word. Uh, maybe you shouldn't go to the United States it gets cold in the northern states, and in Texas, they throw you in prison with hardened criminals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The migrants are are realizing that conditions here are not as good as they as they think. I mean, the the blue cities are in total disarray right now with the failed left wing mm -hmm. leadership. But then also with bills like this in Texas, it'll really send the message to people that hey, if you want to enter this country, you should do it the right way legally and yeah. not just try to disobey our laws mm -hmm. when coming into this country. And so we have, do we have a legislative alert for that? Yes, we do. Yes. On jbs.org forward slash alerts, we have all of our alerts and we have one uh, specifically to support these bills in Texas mm -hmm. uh, for the one that I just mentioned, then as, as well as another one that would fund uh, $1.5 billion for, for, for border security, including building border walls in Texas. So we have a legislative alert supporting both of those Oh, bills. so one of the bills would support building the wall, huh? Right. Yes, yeah, so that's the other one. It would build border uh, border wall in Texas, and then it would also fund other border security efforts. And in addition to that, it would send more law enforcement to the Colony Ridge uh, development in Liberty County, yeah. where which is basically a hub for illegals to go yeah. and live under the radar. It's like an illegal's paradise. We reported uh, on this, I think, a month and a half back, and. And now it seems it sounds like um, it's gotten the attention of Texas officials. What um, are the chances that this could pass? Are the Democrats pushing back? Is the the U.S. government? We know we've seen for years now since Biden came. They seems to have uh, tried to uh, to basically stop any effort by Texas to seal their border. Are we seeing any of that in regards to these bills? Yeah, well, first off, it looks like that both of these bills will get enacted into law. Governor Abbott is pushing very hard for those. Uh, the Texas State House is the most is the hardest one to get it passed because Democrats have mm. quite a big, bit quite a bit of control in the House. They control some various committee chairmanships, for example. Mm. But it looks like that the pressure is so strong that these bills will pass the House anyway in Texas with some Democrat support. With with some, not a lot, but. Uh, but some, just because they they realize how 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 terrible the situation is at the border. Yeah. Uh, but once the bills get signed into law, the Biden administration, no doubt, is going to sue Texas. They're going to claim that uh, that the, that the bills are unconstitutional. That Texas can't enforce immigration laws. They can't do any of this. The They're probably going to claim that Texas is subverting federal the feds too, because they've done that before. I think with those dumb buoys they put in the in the Rio Grande River. Right. Yeah. Right. And they're going to argue that the uh, 2012 Supreme Court case, United States versus Arizona, um, means that these bills can't be can't be enforced. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that this court decision, by the way, was an was an unconstitutional uh, decision. There was no yeah. real constitutional basis for it. But that'll be the federal government's argument. 
by the Biden administration's argument for overturning these bills. So just because this will likely become law in Texas doesn't mean that it's going to go through. Uh, they got to get through the the Biden administration's hurdle uh, there first. And you brought up Arizona. I don't I don't mean to get off track, but there's obviously more than one border state, especially in the southern border. How come Arizona? Uh, I, I, I would ask why California is not doing it, but we know why California is not doing it. But Arizona has some semblance of, of common sense and decency over there. How come are they looking at any particular bills or not that you know of? There haven't been any introduced that um, in recent years. There was one that they, that they introduced over well over a decade ago, mm. but there hasn't been any action since then in Arizona. Yeah. But the question isn't so much for Arizona specifically, but really any state, all states, even states that aren't border states, they can all they can all take action. Yeah. Uh, for example, oh, what anyone, action can others take? So the migrants who come in illegally, they get housing, they get welfare, they get all these various benefits. And state governments can very easily enact legislation taking away those benefits, taking away the incentive for them to come into the country illegally. Yeah. And states don't have to be don't have to be along the Mexico border to do so. Are there any states that have implemented anything like that? Well, Actually, I'm pretty sure that's not that's a no. But are there any states that have proposed such legislation? Do you know? There has been legislation introduced in a, in a few states, Florida, a few other uh, more conservative states that would withdraw some of these benefits. So, for mm -hmm. example, in-state tuition for illegals, uh, things of that nature. There haven't been any that have actually been enacted, mm -hmm. uh, but. But people are waking up, legislators are waking up and are beginning to introduce bills like the, these. And it's really important that they actually follow through and enact them into law. Yes. So the most important thing that listeners and, and viewers can do is is, is uh, alert their legislators, right? And if you're in Texas, obviously, uh, what can you do? Continue to support this legislation? Right. Yeah. So anyone in Texas, tell your legislators to pass uh, SB4 and HB4, as well as HB3 and SB3, mm -hmm. uh, those bills that, that we just talked about. And anyone, and regardless of the state that you live in, tell your state legislators to take away these economic benefits that illegal migrants get and to take any type of action that'll help secure our, our borders and secure our, our immigration system. Yeah. So we have a few seconds left. I want to point out that these legislative alerts that you and your team come up with are awesome. And you can get them via text. You can get them, I think, through email. I think you guys send them also. I get them everywhere. So uh, I, I think it's, it's kind of like you guys do that on purpose. If you don't check your text, you can check your email. But the best way to sign up for these is if you go to jbs.org, you go to legislative alerts, undertake action, and boom, you can sign up. Uh, Peter, we, we highly appreciate what you guys do. Keep up the good work. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The New American Daily. And remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Enjoy the rest of your day and join us again tomorrow for another episode.